Hello, welcome to the Musics in Japan. A conversational podcast about daily life for an American couple living long term in Japan. So lately I've been thinking about what's cool about living in Japan or what's awesome about living in Japan. And the reason that I started thinking about this is a client who came to see me here in Japan said, It's just so cool that you live in Japan. And I was like, Yo, you live in Japan too. <laughs> that makes them cool too, then, right? Right? So I was like, Is living in Japan cool? Like, do I feel cooler living in Japan than I did in the United States? Do you feel cooler? No, I feel much hotter. <laughs> well, in the summertime, in the wintertime, I would say we feel much cooler if you're just doing a temperature joke. Not for me. <laughs> for me, definitely. So then I was thinking, okay, what, what's so different or so awesome about living in Japan compared to living in the United States? And for me, it's something that I, when I was thinking about it, it was very interesting in that what I like is the how few and far between smiles are. Like just random smiles between strangers. Like there is never any pressure for me to smile. And I freaking love it. Yeah, no, there are some people who expect the ojiki, which is like the first bow of the day. It's just like a little head nod to say, yep, I see you. But, but nobody... being African-American, like, it's the what up. It's up, it goes down instead of up. And your back bends a little bit. Mm, I never bend my back, my back when I ojiki. It's just a pure head nod to me. Okay. So you're doing it wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> They're fine with it. Everybody's digging my ojiki. Yeah. They're getting jiggy with it. <laughs> I crack myself up. Dating yourself there? Yeah. Yep. So what do you think about, like, smiling and all of that? So, because I always wonder, like, is it easier for you that there are fixed social rules? Because being it's on the spectrum, how's that different for you? It's a lot easier for me because I'm not just on the spectrum. I'm all over the spectrum. I own the spectrum. <laughs> and we're talking about the autism spectrum. Yes. I might be, you know, one end one day, one, another end another day. But yeah, it's a lot easier for me that there are fixed social rules because it gives me a level of predictability when I go out. And now when I'm wearing my glasses, if I put on my glasses, if I put on some music, I'm basically don't have to deal with any sensory input and the fixed rules well, any sensory input outside of your control right and the fixed rules means that people aren't going to demand that i like take out my headphones for example so for me the not needing to smile is it goes back to that privacy thing we talked about a couple episodes ago and i just really like that everybody gets that they don't own my mouth Mm -hmm. And I felt like in the United States, when they when people would tell me, smile, girl, or you should smile. Or when people would smile at me just randomly and expect me to smile back, I felt like they were taking ownership of my mouth. And I really didn't like it. I never, I'm a, normally I'm a smiley person, but I don't like to have to smile. Right. I want to smile. And so now the difference is the in times and instances where I feel like I have to smile for a social construct are almost at zero. It's really rare. Yeah, it is. I can't think of any times outside of meeting with other foreigners that I am expected to smile. Yeah. 
So I really enjoy that. What would be one that stands out for you? Something that you think is cool or awesome about Japan that's different than the U.S.? I think the expectation that you have a car is not here in Japan so heavily. I think in Nagoya, maybe. So I think out in the countryside, out in the people... countryside, you, you need some way to get around. But I think in the urban, major urban centers, it's not shocking if you don't have a car. And I think if you live in New York or someplace like that, then it's also not shocking. But in California, even within San Francisco, it was shocking if you didn't have a car. And I find being a foreigner, most Japanese nationals that I talk to expect that I don't have a car. Right. Like the expectation is that I don't. Right. So if you look at real estate listings, it doesn't tell you the address. It, it tells you the nearest train station or yeah. subway station. Yeah, how many walk, how many minutes walk. Right, and there are laws about how you calculate how many minutes walk it is from a train station if you're going to advertise for it. And, yeah. Because that's so central to it. And how close you are to the different types of transportation really impacts how much your rent is or how much the property can be sold for. Yes. That and date of the building, how yes. old the building is. So I think that's really cool. I like the the real estate laws, at least in my experience for residential real estate, there aren't those wild fluctuations like there are in the United States. And so for me, I think it's really cool that you can save up a certain amount of money and have the down payment and all of that and pretty much know how much the property is going to be for basically what you want to buy. So like one DK's five minutes walk from a subway station and a train station all go for about the same amount of price. Well, that's the 20-year slump because before that there was the real estate bubble, especially in Tokyo. where something Yeah, I'm not talking go... about Tokyo. Tokyo, the, the real estate's still kind of whack. Yeah, so I feel. so the real estate is a lot more frothy in Tokyo, but Nagoya is pretty stable. Yeah, and so for me, what I like about it is also there's government loans that once you're a permanent residency that you um, can get, they're like 2% interest. Yeah, there are some 0% mortgages. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And all of the programs for like first-time homeowners and, and all of that, I feel like there's some social socialized stuff going on there well there's the ur housing too i think the ur housing is really cool the ur housing i forget what ur stands for it's like urban reconstruction or something completely different i'm either dead on with that or i'm not even close uh, but it is social housing that doesn't <laughs> i'm sorry i just like those options yeah. i'm either dead on or not even close <laughs> yeah yeah but, but we know for sure as you are. Yeah. But I don't know what that stands for. I can't think of it. It's housing that doesn't depend on your income. So people with a high income or people with a low income are eligible to live there. You just put yourself on the list and wait until a place comes open. And I know that that's available in some other countries as well. I know that Singapore, most people live in social housing. Private property is really rare. In Japan, private property is not rare. But the UR is available there as an option. In a, it's different than the U.S. In the U.S., if you think about public housing, you're thinking low-income housing. You're not just thinking the government providing housing options for people. Well, in California, though, they did start the below-market rent for new real estate projects, for but, new apartment complexes. There has to be a certain amount that go for below what the market is for the rent in that unit. 
Right, but the the, <clears throat> the BMR is intended again to help people who are on the poorer end of income. So you can't necessarily qualify for below market rent if you have an above average salary. So, but do you really think that like these are the things that are cool about Japan? So for me, the reason that I think stable real estate is cool is because. I find it easier to do straightforward investing. Like I find real estate investing here to be really straightforward, and that's cool to me. Like in the United States, I always felt like I was playing, uh, rolling the dice. Like I was gambling. Like I was playing mm. poker or craps or or something, that or slots. Something that was just like completely random and and out of my control. With that had a little bit of skill. So I guess it was more poker than slots. <clears throat> and it just it didn't feel like a stable investment like i i feel like when we sold our home we were at the top of a bubble but since we sold our home i don't think it's worth what we sold it for anymore no it's it's worth at least that now because there's been another bubble so it's okay yeah i'm not following california real estate yeah well i think that's to do with the very low and some inflation inflation is around zero percent in japan and has been for the last 20 years and that causes its own problems yeah. so i i like the lack of inflation but we don't have a lot of debt we don't have any japanese debt we are like so old we are like the coolest thing is investing and <laughs> inflation like with something hip and hot and trendy that that's cool about japan so something that I'm disappointed in. Okay. I just want to shout out. The Pokemon games do not come out first in Japan, like I thought in the United States. They're released the same time they would be released in the United States. Now they are. But when we came to Japan the first time, we bought Leaf Green and Fire Red before they were available in the U.S. Because remember, they tried to tell us, these are only in, in, in Japanese. It's illegal to take them from Japan. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. But that was almost 15 years ago now. Yes. So I'm talking like right now in, what year is it? 2019. Right now in 2019, that this is, that it's just, it's not technologically more advanced. So I get that you only care about Pokemon. Right. As far as video games. Yes. Are there but, other video? Am I wrong about this? You're wrong about this. Yes. There are some I games. I think not so. Some Japanese games like. Um, Disgaea? Like, Disgaea comes out first in Japanese. Yeah. By quite a lot. Really? Yeah. Okay. What else? So that that's why I always play it in Japanese. It's not because my Japanese is so awesome. It's because it comes out a long time well, sooner. And your Japanese is awesome, babe. You Thank just you. need to step into your greatness on that. Um, Dragon Quest also comes out a lot sooner in Japanese. Okay. And then there are games that don't ever come out in English because they're either thought to be too Japanese-specific or that there's not enough of a market to translate them and localize them to English. Okay. So, yeah. One of the cool things I can do is I can play Japanese games before play before people who don't speak Japanese can play them. So see, I feel really old because like anime, manga, video games, that's not what's cool to me. Like what's cool to me is how fresh the produce is and how tasty the fruit is. I feel like the fruit in Japan is smaller and sweeter. I feel like the produce in Japan is smaller and fresher and more flavorful. I feel like Japan just has, for me, I don't know, just more flavors. It depends on the fruit. 
like our bananas usually come from the Philippines. Okay, which is the same as in the United States. So the fruit is all labeled as far as where it comes from. But our oranges are always local. They're sometimes from Aichi, which is the prefecture where we live. So that means they're with And the oranges, the Mekons, oh my gosh. Yeah. They are so tasty. They are so good. Or they might be from Mie or Gifu, which are nearby. And they are so sweet. So decadent. I, uh, I absolutely love them. All of the dairy is basically from Japan. So yeah. as far as milk and butter and everything, it's mostly from Hokkaido. But there's some local stuff. So, I mean, there's regional products that are cool. And I feel kind of cool for being able to make it in Japan. Because Japan's a hard fucking country. Oops, I'm not supposed to be cursing. Yeah, we talked about this. It's fine. I know, but I'm just trying. I'm trying not to curse oh, as okay. much. Okay. As much. Because, you know, F, the F word is like my favorite word in the whole world. So, what was I saying? I completely lost my train of thought. You're saying Japan is a hard fucking country. <laughs> Yes, it is. Like, learning Japanese is hard. Building my business was hard. Um, just being here every day is hard. Going through the visa hustle was hard. Well, in 2018, Japan was voted the worst country in Asia to live in. Wow, did not know that. Why? For for foreigners. Why? Uh, because of tough immigration laws, because of low pay. The low pay was the particular thing. I can. I think this was Forbes or somebody like that who did this. So in Japan, the number of people who make more than a million dollars a year is really, really low. Okay. So like heads of major corporations in Japan are almost always Japanese. Because if you're foreign, you can go to Indonesia or Malaysia or something and make five times the amount of money. Or you can go to the U.S. and make 20 times the amount of money. Really? Yes. See, and I happen to know, like, some of the income of foreigners working in Japan. So under a million dollars a year. Okay. It's not a problem. But as soon as you start hitting that million dollars a year, your name, it gets published publicly. So Oh, yeah. And the CEOs, it would be scandalous if a CEO was making, you know, 600 times what a worker was making. Okay, yeah. So I get that they're trying to keep the gap low, but then they don't count bonus as part of the income. That includes bonus. So really? The, yeah, but the bonus system is also part of why it's not great to work in Japan. Why? Because you don't have a steady, reliable income. So in the U.S., you might have certain professions like stock trading or whatever, where a bonus is a big part of your income. Yeah. But here in Japan, it's even factory workers. Their bonus may be as much as a fifth of their income. And that happens twice a year. Now, traditionally, the bonus is one or two or three months pay, depending on the company. And I think, too, there's a lot of businesses that are shady. Yes. That don't do bonuses. Because, like, the English teaching industry right. is so super shady, man. And they don't do bonuses. They don't do, like, some companies do health care and pension and taxes and all of that. But some businesses don't. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're trying to become a permanent resident, that can really mess you up. Yes, it Because can. then you have to, you know, pay all your pension. And now you can only pay up to three years past pension, which means that, you know, you have to count from three years 
all the way through 10 or possibly five if you're under 40 and you know meet the point system so with all of that that makes me feel like really cool and really strong like i did it i feel like dekita motherfuckers dekita with the permanent residency like i made it i'm here i did it yes and man i gone bodied my buns off because <laughs> it was tough <laughs> yeah, gumbari masses to endure. Yeah. So whenever you whenever you talk about something that's difficult, somebody will inevitably say gumbate ne, which just means suck it up. <laughs> yes. But Do your best is the polite like, translation, yes. but it always feels like for me as an American, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. And then like I like saying dekita because little kids when they do something they like to say i did it because right. dekimas is to do to be able to do yeah right. so i was able to do it yeah and then taihan is just like that Ty- one plagued yeah. me man when i was first here like everyone say taihan like uh, oh that's too bad that's tough for you isn't it yeah taihan is literally literally big strange <laughs> But what it really means is... <laughs> yeah, and you know what he calls a big strain. Is that's tough. Yeah. And so I feel like I have persevered and I'm here. I'm still here and I'm thriving. Well, and you got that permanent residency with a foreign husband. Yes. That's always like a huge, like, People I have to like... dust my shoulder off, dust both my shoulders off and pat myself on both shoulders because... We did people, not do it yeah. the easy way. Japanese people are like, oh, you've got permanent residency. What part of Japan is your wife from? Yeah. The California part. Thank you. Eh? <laughs> the universal Japanese, I don't believe you. That's so amazing. Mm. So for me, yeah, doing it as two Americans over here together, I just look at something that that's cool that has nothing to do with Japan, but Japan is highlighted is how strong our partnership is. Yes. Because we did that as a team. That was a team effort for me and you. Yes. I feel like picking Japan was a team effort too, because we yeah. chose Japan for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons was transportation, which I've talked about before. And I absolutely love where we live because it is so close to so many different options. So I never feel stuck just because I can't drive. Yeah. But our son drives and has a car, so yeah, I get driven everywhere. <laughs> I don't take public transportation hardly anywhere. I'm like, no. I think it's a different experience for you. because Yes, it is, because I get groped. Yes. So that is something that's not cool about Japan, something that's really, really shocking to me, that when it first happened, I didn't know how to process it, is that people try and grope my breasts. Mm-hmm. And people grope my buttocks whenever I ride the train. And it's not just false, like, rocking into you, whoops. It's, like, seriously, hands open, ready to get a squeeze type groping. And I find if I can get a seat on the train, that that doesn't happen. Right. Well, and the fact that there are signs on all of the trains saying groping is a crime. Like, yeah. we need to remind you guys, groping is a crime. You can go to prison for this. But there's no way to prosecute it on the train. You've like, got- you know that that you know person is doing it deliberately yeah you've got to catch somebody and you've got to make a a big noise and a big stink and for somebody who's so even making like a big noise and a big stink it's just like it's sad to say but for me it came down to like do i want to have to have this argument do i want to have to drag them off the train Mm -hmm. make my commute longer make their commute longer 
well, I don't really care about making their commute longer, but make my commute longer, go up to the train station attendant, and then go to a police officer that's not actually going to arrest them. Right. They don't actually go to prison. They'll get like a stern talking to you. And, and that's fine. it. So there's usually compensation. So that's one thing about the Japanese legal system is if you wrong somebody else, usually there's some compensation agreement. So that's one of the ways that the Japanese prison population is so low. Well, and two, I would have to have get lucky and get a police officer that's not biased against foreigners. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. For you, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. For so me. So that's not cool about public transportation. But I still like... All in all, I feel like there's way less sexual harassment for me. Like, I don't get catcalled. Right. I don't get approached. Um, I don't, with, except for one incident, nobody's ever tried to, like, kidnap me or anything. Um, and all of the stuff that happened in the United States. Oh, yeah. Like, you're... on a regular basis. And I got groped all the time in the United States. I got catcalled. I got people approaching me. I think when we met, you were being stalked by, like, five or six guys. It wasn't five or six. I think it was, like, three or four. Oh, okay. Like, three or four. Yeah, but like I know... three or four guys and a couple of women. Okay. So, I, I guess I shouldn't have said guys. I should have said people. Yeah. So, because I know you're being stalked by multiple people. And when you and I became friends, a lot of them stopped. Because I moved. Yes, you moved. And they didn't know where to find me because I moved quick and stealthily. But you also had people stalking you on campus. Yeah, I did. And I introduced myself to them. Yeah. And they stopped. Yeah, they did. So for me, I guess I've never felt like physical safety was a thing I had a lot of in the United States. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But here in Japan, I feel like I have a lot of physical safety. I think the size of the people, that a lot of people are my height, helps a lot. And the fact that I'm a lot heavier helps a lot. And the fact that aside from the groping on the train and the one instance where a guy tried to run me down with his car um, when we first moved here, aside from those things, I feel really safe. Which probably for people who have never experienced these things, probably like, what the heck? Yeah. How can she feel safe if someone's trying to run her down with the car? Well, that was, you know, like, gosh, nine years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was shattering. We've been in this place for 10 years, so it must oh, yeah, be so more was, than. Yeah, more than 10 years then. So for me, that was shattering and disturbing and was one of the reasons why we ended up in this place. Right. And so for me, that was tough and made me question being in Japan but then since we've moved here there really hasn't been any of that since we moved here and since I don't ride the train standing up now I know I need to sit down and I go through great lengths to make sure that I'm that I can always have a seat on the train right like I figured out how to move through the world without being physically assaulted and I think because the patterns are so rigid you can do that yeah and so for me like it sucks that People think they can touch my body without my permission. That will always suck. But I think a cool thing about Japan is that it's so much easier for me to limit it. It's right. so much easier for me to just avoid it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States, I feel like everywhere I went all of the time. Like for me, going to the grocery store here in Japan, I don't worry about somebody <clears throat> following me around in the grocery store. And I don't worry about somebody like, accosting me in an empty aisle which happened to me several times in the united states right 
And I don't worry about somebody walking up on me when I'm in my car because at the grocery store, there are security guards Yes. in the parking lot. And so someone couldn't do that without being seen to do that. And inside the mall, there's a lot of security as well. So with the increased security, I feel better protected because it just seems to me like Japan is more aware of some of the skeevy stuff that goes on. Yeah. Because there's all kinds of posters about the skeeviness and saying, hey, knock it off. This is illegal. Like looking at people's skirts, putting mirrors on shoes to look up skirts. That's illegal. Um, taking photographs of people. That's illegal. Filming under people's skirts. That's illegal. And in the United States, these kinds of things happen all the time. Yes. Like all the time. And so, you know, there wasn't... Any day that I walk down the street in the United States that somebody didn't catcall me or somebody didn't approach me with some sort of sexual innuendo or some sort of sexual sexual intent. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't happen to me here. So that's like really cool for me to be free of that. Yeah, that is cool for you. Because <laughs> I felt like gaining weight would mean that that would stop and that just wasn't the case. No. So I didn't find that my weight gain deterred anyone. Well, I mean, you stayed gorgeous and you stayed a woman. And either aww, of those would be see. enough in the U.S. The first one's aww, and the second one's damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Why does being a woman make that possible? So how is that experience for you, the fact that I get assaulted less? <laughs> I mean, it's good for me that you get assaulted less. Yeah. Um, that was something that always disturbed me in the U.S. and something that I did what I knew how to do within the bounds of the law to yeah. prevent in the U.S., and I always encourage you to stay within the bounds of the law. Yes. Like, I don't want you to give up your liberty because that asshole decided to be crazy. Yes. So, I mean, that's a positive for me. I feel like I know, you know, the route to your office. I know when I should expect to see you back. Um, something that we don't always talk about, but there is a black book that in case something happened to you, I could find out, you know, who you were with at the time. Yeah. Well, and two, my office manager is across the hall from me, and my office manager pops in in between sessions Yes, and takes me home. Yes. So there's not any point in the day where it's ever okay for someone to not, lays eye, to not lay eyes on me for longer than whatever the session length is. And I find if I'm doing sessions that are longer than 90 minutes, usually my office manager is in those sessions providing some sort of support as well. Mm-hmm. Child care or language or something like that. Yeah, because I have done like 12-hour sessions. Not my favorite, but sometimes it's what's necessary for the situation, if it's a crisis situation, to help somebody, you know, come out of crisis. And that's different. Everybody knows going into that. that right. You know, it's going to be an extended period of time. But it's tough sometimes. There are people that have made me feel really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I just invite them not to come back and say, I'm sorry, this dynamic isn't working for me. Somebody makes me feel uncomfortable. So for the most part, I do feel a lot safer in Japan than I did in the United States. Mm -hmm. For me, I felt like I feel like being groped in Japan if I'm on public transportation, that's probably inevitable. Sad to say that for me, that's like heavy sigh, but doesn't ruin my day. But in the United States, I felt like I was in threat of being abducted on a regular basis. I was worried about abduction. So I did have people try and like grab my arm and like lead me out of a store. 
I did have people approach me next to my vehicle and try and lure me out or push their way in. So I have had cases and scenarios where it felt like, okay, this person's trying to abduct me for the purpose of assault. Right. And fortunate for me, I was able to get out of those situations. Yeah, I feel like I'm a lot safer too. In the U.S., people did want to assault me for some reason, and I don't get why. And there's a particular kind that happens here in Japan more frequently than it did in the U.S. But that's when I'm out walking with my cane. There are some people who ride their bikes directly at me Mm -hmm. to try and make me move Mm -hmm. or walk rapidly directly at me to try and make me move, like to dodge. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... um, no. <laughs> you know, Don't let the cane fool you. Okay. Don't hurt yourself. You know, <laughs> Don't mess around and get hurt. There was a guy on a bike, must have been probably 60 years old. That's probably a foot taller than him, 100 pounds heavier. But he thought because he had a bike that he would just ride at me. And, you know, he rode at me and so I wasn't moving. So he swerved the last moment, but not enough to avoid clipping shoulders. And he fell and I kept on stepping. Yeah. So... I'm surprised by that kind of aggression, but, you know, that used to happen to me when I was a teenager, too, in Alaska. Well, that happened to you as an adult in the U.S. as well. Yeah. I think it's the beard, man. I really do. Because people react so bizarre to your beard. Yeah, like it's a threat. Or like it gives them an excuse to treat you as, I don't know, as something that they can reach out and touch or something Mm -hmm. that they can have contact with. You know, so I think that's weird. Like, you're just a bearded man. It's not yeah, that. But it does happen less frequently here. Yeah. And I find other bearded men that I know have the same experience. Because you have, like, a long beard. It's not a close crop beard. Yeah. And it's absolutely stunning. Absolutely yeah. gorgeous. I love it. It's beautiful and sexy. So, but I feel like living in Japan is cool. And I feel like it's safer. But I don't know if you do. Yeah, I feel like it's safer. It's definitely safer for me to have ways to get around that don't involve me driving. Because I did drive and for <laughs> quite a long time after yeah. I should have. Yeah, not safe. Not safe. <laughs> Completely not cool. But that's because we didn't fully understand your seizure disorder. Correct. And right. the doctors weren't able to give us clear answers. And so we did lots of research and figured it out for ourselves. Right. And then did what was safe for you. Yeah, so I feel safer here. I feel like one cool thing is taxes. Okay. They're just so much more straightforward here. How so? So so in the United States, they estimate the burden of filing your taxes is something like eight hours per person on average. Oh, yeah. And here it's like 15 minutes. Yeah, for the whole family. So when I was had regular employment, I would just go down once a year and say, yep, that was my income. And they'd say, great, your taxes are done. And that was the whole thing. (laughs) You you know, there's not a long form. You just go down and you just tell them what your income was and they file it and you're done. Yeah. And even having a business is that straightforward. Yes. Like say, this is what the business made. It's so less complicated. And how much proof I have to have is so less compared to the proof I would have to have in the United States, even if I were to be audited, the proof that I need to have is so much less. Yes. And because I invoice 
the invoices are the only proof that I need. Right. So that's really nice for me. So I feel like the tax system is a lot more straightforward, and I feel like it's a lot fairer. Now, there are some wonky things about timing and such. They expect that you'll stay at the same job for your entire life. And so if you quit a job, that can cause some discomfort as they try to figure out what to do with you between now and the next reset period. Yeah. Well, no, they don't uh, spend any time trying to figure out what to do with you. They just tell you, we're keeping everything at these levels. Yes. Even if you're making less money, we don't care. This is for this term. This is how much we're going to charge you. Yes. Because this is what we expected you to make this entire term. Right. Or even if you're making more money. So. Yeah. So it can work positively or negatively. Yeah. So there were some things that I thought were cooler about the United States than Japan. For me, I just like the amount of snack foods. I in was the thinking United that. States. I was thinking that there's much <laughs> wider variety of snack foods in the United States. Yeah. Uh, the roads. I liked how wide the roads are. I don't like the narrowness of the roads here. Mm-hmm. I liked how wide the how wide the roads were, and I liked the freeways mm-hmm. a lot. Like I loved 280. I loved 101. I didn't like 17 so much because it was always so much, uh, so crowded. So these are highways in Northern California. And 280 is just really wide and through the mountains and just a beautiful ride to me. And I haven't really found as many scenic rides in Japan. I think I will now that Rasta has a car, but I miss those scenic drives. I think that's just where we live. Because we live in the major major urban city, I think if you look at, you know, in California, we lived in a major urban city, and to get scenic, you had to get out of the city first. But it was really quick to get out of the cities where we lived. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Because I went on some business retreats that were in really pretty places, and we've gone to some really scenic places like Nikko and Asahikawa and things. And something I absolutely loved, loved, loved about California, Northern California specifically, was Bay Area Backroads. There was this TV show that was on in the 90s, and it was called Bay Area Backroads, and this dude would go somewhere cool every episode. He'd go to one or two places that were out of the way and fun to go for families, and he would, like, talk all about it, and then you could go and do and have that experience. And I find that I just, now that Rasta has a car, I looked at the Nagoya City website and there are a lot of like Bay Backroads type experiences. Um, And the last time there was the turning of the leaves, Rasta and I did find a scenic road that had um, like just really beautiful uh, foliage and over the last holiday season, we did manage to find a couple houses, like, driving around that were, like, doing Christmas with, like, the lights, time to music, and all of that. So I think there's an obsession with seasonality in Japan that there is not in the United States. So one I think of the, maybe in California there's not the obsession, but in other places there has to be a little bit. Well, I think one At of the, least with other Americans I talk about, they're, like, really, they have a lot of seasonality. Well, I think but you're well, saying, like, the passion... I'm saying the passion for it being seasonal, that making it so special. And I think that contributes to some of the differences, especially in snack foods, where Mm -hmm. here 
there's, you know, you can go to the Kit Kat confectionery and get, you know, 40 different flavors of Kit Kat. Oh, and gosh, most yes. of them are, you know, limited time flavors. Yes. So a lot of the different things, if I really like a food and it's seasonal. I'm not into Kit Kat. I'm, I'm sorry. I like them, but I'm just not into Kit Kat. I'm not saying Kit Kat specifically. I mean, Kit Kat. Yeah, there really is a Kit Kat. Yeah. But I'm saying as far as snack foods, when you're saying one thing about cool about the U.S. is the variety of snack foods. Yeah. I think it's because they're all available once. Yeah. I think if you took like over three years and you said, okay, what was ever available? The variety of snack food in Japan would be similar. But there, there are so many foods that are only available at certain times of year for no particular reason. So for me, like there's one particular snack food I absolutely miss, and that's ice cream sandwiches. Uh-huh. Absolutely miss ice cream sandwiches. And I thought Japan had ice cream sandwiches for like a hot minute. They did. It was a limited time thing. Yeah, and they haven't had them since. And they had Jiffy Pop for a limited time. Yeah, and I'm like, what the what, Japan? Like, what's good, Japan? Right? Because microwave popcorn kind of works in our microwave. Yeah. But when we saw Jiffy Pop, it was like, we have a gas stove. We can make Jiffy Pop. And yeah. the Jiffy Pop was available <laughs> for like three weeks. And then, like, okay, we're, we're done with that. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. And these aren't like we're going to specialty stores. We're going to like the regular grocery store. Yes. Buying what's off the shelves. And so the shelves, like there are some staples that are always available, like rice and pasta and usually bread, but bread is not always available. And so I guess, yeah, I do miss the reliability of of just going to the grocery store and knowing what's going to be there. Yes. That was really cool. And lunch meat. Jiminy Crickets. When we went to Spain, that was one of the things I loved most about Spain was they had lunch meat. More than ham. So ham is available here as lunch meat. What do you mean? You can get ham. Sliced ham is easily available here. Like the really thin. How I like no, it. No, not the thin. really thin. So then it's not lunch meat, the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the super thin sliced lunch meat. Okay. Yeah, no, this is like the double and triple thickness. It's not the, yeah, the no. buttock super, super thin. So I like the highly processed, really bad for you, highly processed and pressed, thin sliced lunch meat. Right. So that kind of stuff. Or you, like a deli select. Yeah. Deli that, select is not highly processed and bad for you. Deli select is pretty good. That kind of stuff. I think quality. you'd have to go to a butcher here and pay probably 40 or $50 a pound for it. Do you think they'd still, do you think they'd be able to do it? At 40 or $50 a pound, they'd be able to do it. Yeah. For the turkey? Yeah. Really? So, like so, you think you could get oven roasted honey turkey? I think you could get oven roasted honey turkey. You'd have to order it early. Oh, my god! You'd gosh. have to buy 20 pounds of it. Yeah, No, ain't nobody got time for that. It would cost you $80 at, yeah. at minimum. No. No, anybody got time for that. And so I find Japan to be a trip because Japan will run out of chocolate chip cookies, butter, milk, bread, like things in the United States you would never run out of. And yes, I did start with chocolate chip cookies. And so I love that the United States, I could always get chocolate chip cookies, bread, milk, and butter anytime I wanted to. And bagels. I could buy a bagel any time of day. Yes. Like I could just wake up at two in the afternoon and go get a bagel if I wanted to. There are days you're like, <laughs> I'm really in the mood for a bagel. Can you go to the store and get me a bagel? And I have to say, no, it's Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No bagels on Tuesdays. Yeah. So 
the United States has a lot of stuff that it does right. And Japan has a lot of stuff that it does right. I don't feel like either country is perfect. But for me, I guess, I don't really think of living in Japan as cool, if I'm honest. Like, I know I'm saying there's things that are cool about living in Japan. But to me, I feel like I'm just getting up, living my life. And that life happens to be in Japan. Yes. And I have, like, social and political reasons for why I'm making that choice every day. But in terms of being cool or kitschy or fun, that's not what motivates me. No, I think it's different. And so yeah. I think if you're in the U.S. and you see Japanese products, like I know Pocky has become popular in in the U.S. Pocky? Pocky, yeah. Pocky's good stuff. Yeah, Pocky is good stuff. But, you know, it's been discovered in the U.S. and people were importing it. And I guess now they're shipping it directly there. So you don't have to import it anymore. But we get, you know, seasonal Pocky. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes I can get gentleman's flavor Pocky. <laughs> and there's always Sakura flavored special yeah. uh, cherry blossom flavors. Which, interestingly enough, flavor. for, yeah, the cherry blossom flavors are usually strawberry, which I think are so interesting. Like, why aren't they plum or cherry? You can't tell the difference. Those are cherry. What? You can't tell the difference between actual cherry an artificial strawberry. So you think that they are artificial strawberry. They're so are you saying cherry. that actual cherry tastes like artificial strawberry? I'm saying that actual cherry tastes like artificial strawberry to you. Okay. I'll take that. Yes. <laughs> it's you like, say yes like I have no choice. Well, I could like, reject that, sir. I could. Like some people with the cilantro gene where it tastes like soap to them. What? Some people have a genetic thing uh-huh. where cilantro tastes like soap. Okay. And some people do not. Okay. I will be Googling this after the show. You should. In college, I had to do this in a biology class. They had cilantro and everybody tasted it. And we recorded how many people it tasted like soap uh, and how many people it didn't. Okay. Because they know it's one specific gene that controls it. Okay. I think you have the gene that where actual cherries taste like <laughs> artificial strawberries. No. When I eat cherries, and the cherries here are so good. They're so expensive when they're not in season and then not available. Just like randomly cut you off. Cherries aren't available anymore. Um, They don't taste anything like artificial strawberry to me. But you buy the American cherries. So what are you saying? I'm saying that. I don't feel like I buy the American cherries. You specifically buy them. They're called American cherry. Yeah, but I don't think they really come from America. They really come from America. (laughs) Most of the cherries grown in Japan <laughs> are not sold as fruit to be eaten. They're used in other things. Okay, because interestingly, the American cherries are cheaper. Yes. And so that's why I thought these can't be imported because yes. they're super cheap. Yes, and they're, so they're not. Yes. Because they're like randomly will be super cheap and then super expensive. Yeah, they'll randomly go from $3 a pound to $35 a pound. Yeah. And I love the apple pears, which is something I discovered after moving to Japan. Apple mm-hmm, pears. Mm-hmm. Love them. They are amazing. I miss grapples, though. What do you mean? I Grape apples? Yeah, I haven't seen those here. No, I haven't. You know, I've only ever seen grapples at Cosentino's in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them anywhere else. Mm. Have you? I'm not sure. That's where we bought them at. That's where we shopped. So, yeah. I don't know. Shout out to Cosentino's in Santa Clara. I hope they're still there. I hope so. They're an amazing store. I loved everything 
about shopping at that store. It's an awesome experience. I always felt really good to shop there. Yeah, yeah. To look across the street and see Albertsons or Safeway or whoever had bought them at the moment. Yep. Just kind of struggling along. <laughs> so I guess to sum up today, living in Japan is cool and awesome, but not for any novel reasons, just for, I guess, the reasons that brought us here in the first place. So if you're going to come as a tourist, is really cool because everything's going to be new. Yeah. And you've got to go to like Monkey Park and you got to see the Great Buddha. One of the Great Buddhas. One or all of the Great Buddhas. There's so many cool things to do. And I do enjoy being a tourist, but, you know, I'm not into going to castles or shrines anymore. If you're going to come here, you're going to go through the honeymoon uh, to live. You're going to go through the honeymoon period where for a few months, everything is perfect. Japan can do no wrong. And then mm, some people don't even get that. Yeah, sad it for It depends them. on like, because for me, the first time I came, I did not experience any honeymoon period. That apartment was atrocious. Oh, yeah. No, that was rough. Yeah. So depending on where you land. Depending on where you land. And then there's And the, how well you set it up. The trough of disillusionment, I think, is the academic term for it, where you realize that, oh, man, Japan is an actual place with actual people and not everything is great about it. And yeah. then some people adjust to that and like it, and some people leave. Yeah. I always advise everybody to give Japan six months before you decide. Mm-hmm. And for me, if you hate your job, quit. Because that is, this now this is something I do think is cool. Japan's visas are not attached to your job. So it doesn't matter where you work, it matters what you do for work. Right. So you can quit your job and then be unemployed the entire rest of your visa, and it won't be an issue until you need to renew. You have to like let immigration know and say, hey, I'm working, looking for a job, but it won't affect your ability to stay in the country. In contrast to the U.S., where if you quit your job, you have to get a new visa yeah. because your job is tied to your visa. Yep. It's the same way in Korea, but probably most of our listeners don't live in Korea. Yeah, and now they've they've combined some of the visa types. So it used to be that if you wanted to be an engineer, which included software engineers, you had to have ten years experience, or a degree. No, it used to be you had ten have ten years experience as, to oh, be okay. an engineer. Okay. The only one with the or a degree was the international services and humanities, the English teaching visa. But or they the com- therapist visa. Nope. Oh, yeah, the therapist yes. visa, because that's... Under that's a inter- humanities visa. That's under international services, yeah. because you're dealing primarily with international people. Yeah. So they combined that with the engineer visa, because they could not find enough qualified software engineers with 10 years experience who wanted to move to Japan for a 60% pay cut. Mm-hmm. So now most of the software engineering people coming over come from India, where it's, I think, slightly higher wages than in India. So Japan is like anywhere else, there's good and bad. Yeah. And I think the United States is like anywhere where there's good and bad. And it just depends on what your value systems are and what you want from the place that you live, what your expectations are. And I think with, with good expectations comes good out, good outcomes. You know. So for me, my happiness is not dependent upon living in Japan, but the way that I'm happy is built around Japan. Yeah. And if we live somewhere else, the way that I would be happy would be built around that place. Yeah. Well put. Thank you. So that sums us up for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another ramble. 
Another interesting conversation between me and my honey. That's me. <laughs> so we hope that you tune in next time. Yes, we do. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can keep the conversation going on our website at themusicsinjapan.com. That's the music spelled M-U-S-I-C-K-S. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at the Musics on both. And if you'd like to support us, please visit our website to sign up for our newsletter, join a Patreon tier, or send us a one-time donation through PayPal or Ko-fi. We hope you'll listen again next week. Bye.